Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Much. If you got your uh, copy of God's Word and your note sheet, grab them. I'm going to tag team preach this word this morning with a couple of our Southeastern University students. Emma is uh, one of our Southeastern students, and she's on staff in the admissions office at Southeastern. Easton Sprayberry, one of our Southeastern students, and it was going to be Pastor Kevin. And you say, that doesn't look Pastor Kev- like Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin is in bed with the flu. He is knocked out. He's our site director. He's on the executive team. Uh, and so Pastor John, you're going to be uh, encouraged by Pastor John this morning. But 2 Kings chapter 6, as we preach this word entitled Surrounded, Surrounded. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation in life where you felt uh, just a little bit outnumbered and, and maybe surrounded? I'm sorry, that's a little bit vague. Let me be more specific. Have you ever been to a child's birthday party? (laughs) It was my son's birthday uh, several weeks ago, and he wanted to have some of his buddies over. So after school, my wife brought the first round of his friends from school. And as these kids started piling out of the crossover, I'm like, babe, did you put three per seatbelt? Like, how did we get that many, like, kids just piling out of there? And not only uh, were they coming out of there, but they were coming out of there with their, with their Nerf guns. And, that, and then the next SUV rolls in, and more children dispersed from there. And then, and then a minivan followed that, and four more of these children followed. And in that moment... Um, I like children, but I like for the ad- adults to outnumber the children. And so I found, I found myself a little bit, the blood pressure was rising a little bit. I was, I was a little bit, these are great kids, they're great, they're great people, but I just felt, I felt a little bit surrounded. I felt a little bit outnumbered in, in that situation. And uh, we want to we preach this word. This is an amazing story out of 2 Kings of what God does in our lives when we feel surrounded by by the enemy, and a story, a story where uh, the the Arameans king, the king of Aram, is is coming against uh, the nation of Israel. And I want to pick up at, at verse thirteen as we walk through this this story today. Uh, this is the the king, the the enemy speaking, and then and then Elisha and his servant uh, is are, are the people that represent us in this story today. So uh, the king says this: Go out, go out and find where he is. The king ordered. So I can send men and capture him. And the report came back, he's in Dothan. And then he sent, the enemy sent horses and chariots and a strong force. There's only two people. They're only after two people because the enemy doesn't fight fair. He sent horses and chariots and a strong force and they went by night. Do you, have you noticed the enemy does not wait for an opportune time to attack you? And like, like here's something the enemy never says. I'm sorry, is this a good time? <laughs> like the enemy comes at night. He comes with more opposition than you feel like you're ready for. And they went by night and they surrounded, say surrounded. They, surround, they surrounded the city. 
They surrounded the city. I don't know what you may feel like you're surrounded with today. You may feel surrounded by worry. You may feel surrounded by an anxiety towards an unknown future. You may feel uh, surrounded by indecision. You may feel surrounded by health challenges. You may sur feel surrounded by money problems or uh, any number of things. But we want to dive in today because God has an answer for you even when you feel surrounded. So now we're posed with this question, what do we do when we're surrounded? And I would wager that the most important thing that we need to do when we feel surrounded is get God's perspective, right? Step back a little bit. Um, when I was growing up, um, I was not a morning person. And my mom, she turned me and my little brother into morning people because during weekdays before school, what she would, wake, what she would do is she would wake us up about two hours before we had to be up, maybe an hour and a half. Um, and she'd wake us up and she'd let us lay on the couch and she would make us chocolate chip Eggo waffles and me and my little brother would sit there and watch Rocket Power or Cat Dog or whatever. Um, and what my mom would do in this time is that she would let us unwind, kind of get ready for the day. But um, we were growing up in a military household. So it was at the beginning of the war in Afghanistan and Iraq. And my dad was on his maybe third or fourth deployment. I'm not quite sure. Um, but as a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, uh, my brother's about three years younger than me, um, you know, that's tense to not know where dad is, to not know when he's going to call and, and for my mom to have all of that. So she would go through the day. There's going to be a PTA meeting after school today. They're all going to be at our house. Emma, it doesn't matter what the bully said to you this morning. You've got this. You're beautiful. You're strong. My mom would just speak over us, order, and she would, and she would tell us those things. Because on a Wednesday afternoon in the lunchroom, when I would start to get anxious, when I would start to get anxiety of when's my dad going to call, when are things going to go normal, I would be able to cling to the things that my mother said to me. I would be able to remember the mornings with my mom, the sweet time in the morning when our family would come together and we were established. And I love this story in scripture. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, it goes like this. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early, the next morning an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. I love what we see the servant do in this passage. I imagine him, like me, waking up in the morning and grabbing his cup of coffee. He's early. He's kind of excited because he's a little bit, he's awake before his master is, so, you know, he's pretty happy about that. And I imagine he grabs his coffee and he goes outside and he opens the door. But I imagine that his eyes are closed because he's anticipating to see this beautiful sunrise over the mountains. And I imagine he has his eyes closed and he stretches his hands out and opens his eyes. And what he wants to see is a sunset, but instead what he sees is an army surrounded him what he didn't expect to see, what he didn't know he was going to see. In an instant, we see him have to make a decision because you can feel it, right? When something comes up in your ordinary every day that you weren't planning on, the anxiety comes, the stomach flop comes, the hands get a little sweaty, and your mind starts racing. Yeah. But what we see the servant do in an instant is that he cries out to his master. In an instant, he cries out to what he knows can anger him like I would in the lunchrooms on a Wednesday afternoon. Remember what anchored me that morning was my mom's words. And for so many of us, what those words are, are the words of the Lord. It's that time spent with him that we can anchor to what the Lord said over us. Because, guys, I'm convinced that there is freedom in perspective. That there's freedom in the perspective of the Lord to looking ahead, to anchoring down. So when anxieties come, we don't have to worry. In order to get perspective on our situation, we must seek the Lord. We must seek his ways. And in scripture, we see Jesus model the same exact thing for us. 
and it didn't look too pretty. In Luke chapter 22, verse 44, we see this. He asked his father to remove the cup of suffering, and then he surrendered, not my will, but yours be done. I'm enamored by this because I see my Savior, King Jesus, right, before, right as he knows he's about to be hung on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, they, and Scripture says he's down, and he's sweating blood. He's sweating blood, and it's coming out of him, and he's, and he's wagering with the, with the Lord. He's saying, take this cup, take it away from me, take this burden, take my anxieties. But in a moment, and in a second, because he got alone with the Lord, because he sought the perspective, he was able to surrender. He was able to surrender those anxieties. He was able to surrender everything he thought that should be. And in an instant, the Lord stepped in and he remembered. He remembered that the Lord had a greater purpose for his suffering. He remembered that the Lord had a greater purpose for what was going on that he wasn't able to see. I'm convinced that perspective is surrendering our anxieties. It's saying no to what we perceive to be happening and saying yes to his higher ways. What we learn from the servant and Jesus both is even while they were surrounded, they both took the time. They took the time. So often when anxiety is coming, we want to rush. We want to rush because we want the answer. But what scripture says is the complete opposite. Take a moment and breathe. Take a moment and let him talk to you. Take a moment. It only takes a moment. When I was 18 years old, I was at the threshold of my brokenness. Um, me and my friend at the time, we would ride around downtown Concord in her yellow VW bug, um, and we would talk about what's going on, and at that time, I couldn't even tell you. We sat at the Carolina Mall Starbucks, and, and she looked over at me, and she hit my leg almost as I wake up. She said, Emma, you need to find perspective, because I'm tired of watching you walk around like this. I'm tired of walking, watching you walk around with this anxiety. Perspective was a word that I couldn't define, but, but here's the thing. My journey to find perspective is what rocketed me into what I am doing now. My minute, my moment to step out and say, you know what, maybe I don't need, I don't have the answers. Maybe I can't fix this thing. Because perspective is the thing that walked me into a youth group and in a place that I never thought I should be. Perspective is the thing that changed my entire life. What I've learned is this, we must make time to seek God's perspective. Because when we get God's perspective, everything changes. So how do we deal with fear when, when we're surrounded and we find ourselves crippled by fear? You see, I think a lot of times when we're told uh, by our Western society and oftentimes in ourselves, we tend to want to uh, avoid as much danger as possible when things get hard. We want to ignore the problem in the room, and even more so, we try to hype ourselves up on our own strength, but we see a totally different perspective here, and if you're taking notes with us, for us to approach uh, fear and conquer it, we need to realize that those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. So... Bear with me for a moment because we need to consider the audacity of the statement Elisha gives the servant. Uh, the servant opens up the window and he sees an army, a really legit army, uh, surrounding the city ready to kill those two specific people. And he cries out, what are we going to do? And what you see Elisha do is amazing, but what you don't see him do is ignore the problem. He's not like, man, lovely weather we're having today. <laughs> Look at this, an army, how nice. No. We see him give him his phrase, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I have to admit something, I wish I could say I'm Elisha when life gets hard and danger comes my way, but I, I'm gonna be honest, I'm more like the servant. I am so quick to 
get crippled in fear and see the thing that's before me. So when I hear do not be afraid, I kind of take offense to that. Like, don't tell me my fears are illegitimate. Uh, don't tell me not to be afraid uh, when my dad leaves the house and I know nothing what it's like to step up and be the man of the house. Don't tell me to not be afraid when my loved one is in the hospital and the doctors have no idea what's going on and it's just getting worse and worse. Don't tell me to not be afraid when my child is not living for the Lord and they're not promised tomorrow. Don't tell me to not be afraid on empty wishful thinking. Encourage me with something that's true. So may I encourage you with this. May I encourage you that when God tells us, do not be afraid, it's not a condemnation for you having fear in the moment, but it's an invitation to take a step of faith so that you can see him in a better way and trust him in a deeper way. As I was studying this text, the uh, do not fear, it's an old Hebrew phrase, and most of my study was dedicated to how to pronounce this correctly. Um, <laughs> And the word is al-Turah, and what it means, it's throughout prophetic, Old Testament prophetic literature, and it means do not be afraid, and it says there is no need for concern in the face of danger. See, that's a key definition we have to take in. It's not about eliminating danger, it's not about hyping yourself up, but it's having no reason for concern for the danger that's in front of you. So how can we not have fear? How can we have no need for concern in the face of danger. It's tied together with the second half of the phrase. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The whole point of this passage is about God's power to overcome, and it shows us a true picture of what faith is. It's not a blind faith. It is a faith that trusts in who God is and what he's done before in his past. Uh, David Guzik points out that this is not wishful thinking. It was a real reason for confidence, even though the servant couldn't see it in the moment. Faith is grounded in truth about God, even when others may not see it in that moment. So we have no reason to fear because we can trust the God that gave us that word, the whole phrase, do not fear for I am with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will have no fear because you are with me. It's all based on God's truth and what he has done so we can know that God will never leave you or forsake you. We know he's for us. But the beautiful thing about God is he doesn't just leave it with his words, he honestly follows it with action. So how can I know that he's for me? Consider this, that Jesus Christ came down to earth, lived the life you couldn't live, died the death we deserve to die, and rose again to free you from your sins. So we know he's for us. He didn't leave us in our darkness, but he rescued us. What else can we take confidence in? How can we know that he'll never leave us or forsake us? Before Jesus ascended, he promised us the Holy Spirit. So when we trust him and give our lives over to him, we receive his Holy Spirit. So no matter the danger you might be facing today, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You are not alone in your trials or the dangers that's around you. I don't know what you're about to step outside these doors with. I don't know if you're about to receive a call from the doctor. I don't know if the tests aren't looking good. I don't know. But what I do know is you have a God you can place your trust in. And when you can place that trust in him, both the servant and Elisha were delivered in this story. So can I encourage you with this, those who might be weak in faith or strong in faith, it's not about the strength of your faith in the moment, it's about who you placed your faith in. So when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will find deliverance, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Wow. 
I am so impressed by what the Lord is doing in the both of you. Um, I have a lot of titles um, because I get all the stuff no one wants to do. I'm just kidding. Uh, but one of the greatest titles of my life ever is the, the title of youth pastor. And the fact that the two of you called me youth pastor at one point, I'm just telling you, this is a proud moment for me. It's a proud moment for me. Thank you, church, for believing in the next generation. Thank you for your investment and generosity to say, no, no, we're, we're not concerned about a generation that's to come. We're, at, we're actively pursuing a generation that is here and saying that you are the church, that you are the church. Thank you, Pastor Doug, for believing, for giving uh, time and, and, and platform space for young men and women to work out their anointing and call. Uh, you know, I said it the other day, I want to be a place that 21-year-old John would have been appreciative of, and, and this is that place. So thank you for your leadership. And uh, thank you, Pastor Kevin, not because you're sick. Um, but this is the product of your work and the work that the Lord has done through you. So I'm preaching Pastor Kevin's point. You can write that down in your notes. Number three, <laughs> praying for your eyes to be open. So here comes the servant of the Lord. And in the moment of his fear, he turns to Elisha. And Elisha's response is absolutely critical. Verse 17, read this with me. And Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. When the servant of Elijah rose from his sleep, what he saw before him was this incredible army with no escape. It seemed as if he was choked in. Have you ever been in that place where a piece of news, an issue of life, has caught you to the point that you feel choked in. For Jess and I, it was almost nine years ago now that we had just finished our first round of in vitro fertilization, the process that, that is kind of the culmination of our infertility struggle. And uh, we sat in the doctor's office, and I remember him telling us, listen, we have checked the records, we've looked at your stuff, and, and the truth is, we don't see why this won't work. The both of you are healthy. The process went off incredibly well. I can't guarantee nothing. That's not what we do. But if I ever was going to, you'd be the prime candidate for a guaranteed pregnancy. And I remember walking away from the office so full of hope. And yet, we had to wait two weeks. So the anxiety of those two weeks, you can only imagine. Everything was, uh, 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 you know, uh, heightened. Our senses were heightened. And, and, and then... The Wednesday finally came around that it was time to hear from the doctor. So Jess picked me up. Wednesday night's a big youth ministry night for us. So she picked me up a little early from 365. And uh, we went down the street across uh, the Chick-fil-A into the field there. And we sat in our car and we waited for the phone call. You can only imagine the anxiety of that moment. Years worth of this process, this struggle, culminating in one phone call. And I'm going to be honest. The minute uh, I got the call, I put it on speakerphone. I heard the tone of the nurse who was calling. I knew that it wasn't good news. Mr. Hernandez, we don't know what's going on, but the truth is, unfortunately, um, the test came back uh, negative. You're not pregnant. And I remember the air being sucked out of the car. And I remember my hands on the steering wheel grasping a hold because all I can think of is, Father, 
I don't know what to say to her. Not to mention the heartbreak of not being a dad. Not to mention the heartbreak of all my plans. All I could think about in that moment is, Lord, I have no words to comfort the heart of my wife who I know is in the middle of a struggle. We were surrounded. There seemed like no escape. And as I choked in that moment and tears started coming out of my eyes in my silent moment of, of, of crying, I looked over to my wife and she made the statement, to this day it's messed me up. She says this, she said, John, I don't know what God's doing, but I know that he's here. She reminded me of a God who surrounded the thing that surrounded me. In the same way that in this moment the servant's eyes were open and he got notice, just a real quick glimpse into the God who surrounds the thing that he was surrounded by. I don't know what surrounds you. I don't know what's got you choked up, but it's my prayer this morning that you would be reminded of a God who surrounds the thing that surrounds you, who's bigger than, who's more than. And whether it's cancer, whether it's, whether it's financial issues, whether it's a wayward kid, whether it's a bad relationship, there is a God who's bigger than, and what it requires is that your eyes would be open. So the final thing when you're surrounded is to do this, to fight every single battle in prayer. Fight every single battle in prayer. This is what Elisha does as the enemy came toward him. So now he's not just surrounded. Now the enemy, the enemy, wasn't, hap, uh, uh, the enemy wasn't satisfied with him just being trapped. He wanted him going down. So now he's not only surrounded, the enemy is advancing against him. As the enemy came toward him, watch what Elisha does. Elisha prays. Elisha prays to the Lord. Strike this army with blindness. So he, the he here is the pronoun not modifying Elisha. The he means God. So God struck. This is important. Elisha prayed God struck. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to do the striking. Sometimes I like to position myself as the striker, but here Elisha prays, and God, are you tempted to strike? Are you ever tempted to strike with your words? Are you ever tempted to strike with your silence? Are you ever tempted to strike with your attitude? Are you ever tempted to strike by talking to other people about your problem instead of confronting the actual problem? Are you ever tempted? See, we have all these defense, different defense mechanisms. Some of us strike with our words, but some of us strike with giving the other person the silent treatment. Are you striking somebody in your life right now by ignoring them? You know you're going to see them today, but you're already rehearsing in your mind how you're not going to say hello to them. <laughs> strike. We want to strike, but Elisha didn't strike. Elisha took a posture of prayer because he realized that we can't fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons. Elisha realized that not striking doesn't make you weak, it makes you free. Elisha realized that fighting all your battles on your knees doesn't make you a wimp, it makes you a warrior. So then Elisha told them, this isn't the road, and this isn't the city. Follow me. I'll lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. 
And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, now open their eyes of these men so that they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they looked at him and they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw him, he asked Elisha, he said, shall I kill him? My father, shall, shall I kill him? Let me just, let me just uh, insert this, that you need a couple of those friends. <laughs> Here, here's what I mean. Like you're barely saved friends. You need a couple of people like that in your life. That you're driving down the road, they're sitting shotgun, somebody cuts you off, and you're a little bit irritated, but you're like, oh, man, that person cut me off. And you're like, and they're like, yeah, no, they cut you off. You want me to kill them? <laughs> like, wait, wait, what? what? No, 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 no. <laughs> but then you feel a little bit better. You're like, at least I'm not as bad as this guy, God. <laughs> What's Elisha's, Elisha's response here is unbelievable. So he's surrounded, they were advancing against him, all these horses, all these chariots, two guys. By the way, the size of your attack has to do with the size of your anointing. The enemy, the enemy saw the size of the mantle on Elisha. And so the enemy said, I'm not just sending two or three people. The bigger the attack, the bigger the mantle. The bigger the attack, the bigger the anointing. Don't you dare shrink back. You go forward in power. So they're coming against him. And Elisha, now Elisha, the tables are turned. And Elisha has the enemy just where he wants them. And how you treat the enemy of your life when you have them now, you have them backed into a corner. That says everything about you, watch where Elisha, let's watch what Elisha does. He says this, he says, set food and water before them. Don't kill me, answered. Would you kill those who you have captured with your own sword or bow? And the king's probably like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> like, what's the right answer here, Elisha? Elisha says, set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their mess master. So he prepared a great feast for them. He prepared, he didn't bring them to their death. He brought them to the table. The person that is against you is not your enemy. I know the relative is being used by the enemy, but the relative is not the enemy. The coworker is not the enemy. The person in your, in your second period history class is not the enemy. Maybe, maybe they're just hungry. Because I've seen you when you're hungry and you're grumpy too. <laughs> maybe they're just hungry spiritually. See, Elisha brought him brought them to the table when we were preparing this message. We got together and we started praying. We started praying in the spirit. We said, God, give us, give us a word. Give a, a, a prophetic word. And this is, uh, this is what came forward. We use the, the term P3 in the house, but it just means uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. This is, it's a spiritual gift. And so this is what we feel like the Lord would say to somebody in the house today. The Lord would say, I'm, I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies, but I'm also preparing a table for your enemies. There are people who seem to be against you that are being used by the enemy, but they're actually slaves and captives themselves. As they see you feasting at the table, because there's no need to fight when you're at a feast, 
As they see you feasting at the table inside, they're waving their hand and saying, pick me, pick me. You will lead them to the table before their true king. This is, this is how we fight. We fight differently. We fight for a different result. I gotta tell you that this is a fun message to preach. It's not as fun to live. So several, uh, several weeks ago now, Camden and I were in the middle of uh, quite an extensive, I'll just call it kind of a home renovation or a, a home project. And um, we had paid this company two thirds of the money that they were due and they had only done about half the work and they said, uh, they said, oh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. So a couple weeks came and went and so I picked up the phone and I was calling and leaving messages and there was no return phone calls. And then I started emailing and the emails bounced back immediately and it was on a Friday night and we're, it's movie night and the kids are downstairs, we're downstairs in the den, we're watching a movie, we're eating popcorn. Camden hops on Google, she says, she says, babe, they're out of business. Um, did you catch the part where they had my money? And y'all, your pastor went into strike mode. I started hopping on social media. I started looking at other customers of these and I started shooting them messages on Facebook. And I'm like, hey, hey, what happened to you? Cause in my mind, I'm thinking lawsuit. And not only am I gonna do a lawsuit, I'm gonna bring a group lawsuit. So I don't even have to pay for the full lawsuit. I'm gonna have other people pay alongside of me. I thought it was a good plan. So I'm rallying the troops. My stomach is doing flip flops. I'm in knots. I'm experiencing anxiety, got my money's gone. Uh, they, don't, they haven't even delivered the, pro, the full amount of the product that I'm due. And I'm telling you in that moment, I heard the Lord, not audibly, but I heard the Lord say, uh, Doug, do you want to handle this or do you want me to? Like, all right. So I went to bed and I got up the next morning and um, I started coming up with another plan because sometimes your pastor is that barely saved friend. And so I just, I was like, well, God, I know, I know you, God, you got this, but I'll help you out. That's kind of what I was like. I, we got, we got this, God, we got this, you and me. Like you got this, but, and so I jumped in my vehicle and uh, I went down to the place of business and I started looking and like I was taping, I had written like a, I mean, I didn't use bad language, but like I've, I'd written this, like, if you contact me by such and such a date, I will not bring a lawsuit against you. I'd like written that and I taped it to their door and I was, I was going around. I was the, like all their trucks were in the parking lot, but they were, they were evacuated and there was, and so I snuck around to the back and there was a, uh, uh, there was a there was a semi that was backed up to and I could see like they were taking all the rest of their stuff the stuff that I had paid for so I tried the door and the door was open and so I'm like oh my stuff what if my stuff's in there and I'm looking up and there's a security camera and I'm like this is not gonna bode well for the pastor of CFA so I so I like okay but but like then in my mind like then all their trucks were in the parking lot and uh is it okay if your pastor is honest with you and candid with you? Okay, that's, this is what kind of church you come to. I just got, you got to know what kind of church. Because sometimes 
Easton. Once in a while, I'm Elisha. Most of the time, I'm the, I'm the servant. I'm with you. And, and so <laughs> this servant was thinking about, I got a buddy with a tow truck, and I'll call my buddy with a tow truck, and I'll take their truck, and then they'll call me, and I'll be like, if you want your truck back, then I want my stuff, and we'll just do this. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling me and God, me and God, like, God, I know you got this, but I'm going to have, I wasn't going to take it. I actually was going to have him put a boot on it. Or then in my mind, I'm like thinking, boy, a knife in that tire would, would be so good. And then on the way, on the way back, uh, stay with me till the end, please. Uh, so on the way, on the way back, on the, on the drive back, now I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone with the police. I'm on the phone with, I'm leaving messages with the company that is the, semi company I'm like I just want you to know you're transporting stolen goods and, and like I'm leaving these messages I'm on the phone with the police what are my rights like what what do I do and as I'm driving again God says I'm sorry Doug do you want to handle this or do you want me to because sometimes I'm slow sometimes I'm stubborn sometimes I want to strike and all that was on a Saturday I said God I'm, I'm sorry sorry I gotta get my I gotta get my hands off of this so on a, that Sunday um, call for prayer walked right up here I just gave a little snippet of the in, information barely any any information and the person that prayed for me before they prayed for a resolution to the situation they said this they said God thank you that you forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors and God said, Doug, forgive them and release them. Get the money. Don't go after it. Don't go after it. And I'm telling you, in that moment, I got free. I got, I got free. On the other side of it, we found a great contractor. On the other side of it, we got more money back on our taxes than I thought we were going to get. On the other side of it, I thought we were going to have to pay for something and didn't end up having to pay for that thing. Who knew? Who knew? that God was better at solving my problems than I was? Who knew? Who knew that my God fights for me? Who knew that the thing that I was surrounded by, God had that thing surrounded? Who knew? Church, we fight differently. We fight with our praise. We fight with our prayers. We fight though we think that we're surrounded. God has that thing surrounded. We will fight differently. This is how we fight our battles. Come on.
something today. I just want you to lift both hands in the air. Father, I declare over them that those who are fighting for them are greater than those who are fighting against them. I declare that there are angelic warriors that are being released in the atmosphere right now that are fighting battles that we don't even know are going on in the name of Jesus. You are fighting cancer. You are fighting sickness. You are fighting disease. You are fighting poverty. You are fighting lack. God is fighting on your behalf today. He is releasing his top-notch armies of heaven. Hallelujah. He is fighting. He's fighting for you. He's fighting for you. He's fighting for you. Before anybody leaves, let me ask one more question with heads bowed and eyes closed at every location. You know the thing that God is fighting for the most today? He's fighting for your soul. He's fighting for you to return his love to him. And so maybe there's somebody here this morning that would say, Pastor, that's me. I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I feel like I'm walking around, but I'm not awake. I feel like I'm going through the motions, but I'm not, I'm not alive. And I need Jesus Christ to breathe his breath of life into my lungs so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. If that's you, if you're here this morning, I'm going to count to three, not as a gimmick, but just as a point of contract that, contact. That's me, Pastor. I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, one, two, three, just shoot up your hand, and we're going to pray together at every location. I got you. Who else this morning? would say, that's me, Pastor. I need to surrender to Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus, my heart to Jesus. Church family, can we pray together? Let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I yield to you. I give you control of every situation. I give you control of my heart. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose again. Now I give my life to you for now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.